in uh, preparation for uh, today's message, we shall be reading from uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. That's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them in that portion of the scripture and join me in reading God's word. Let's all rise in reverence to the word of God. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of people in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is clothed in wickedness and because of it he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins for himself as well as for the people. And no one takes the honor for himself, but receives it when he is called by God, just as Aaron also was. So too, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have fathered you. Just as he also says in another passage, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his humanity, he offered up both prayers and pleas with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his devout behavior. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for those who obey him being designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. We are back in our series on the epistle to the Hebrews. But before I start the message of you, let me support some of the announcements that were mentioned. One, it is our fasting month. So for the next three weeks, we will be sharing to you, providing a guide, a prayer and fasting guide. We will also post that in our GCF Naga Facebook page. You just go to Facebook, GCF Metro Naga. And every day we post the, the prayer items for the day. Now, fasting is the abstinence from food. And I do mean food. That's what the Bible means. Now, uh, some preacher says you can, maybe you can just fast your Facebook account. Sure, do that. But, you, but if you're really fasting, you abstain from food. You can skip a meal. You can skip a whole day, a few days, a few weeks. I can't say a few months, but a few weeks maybe, and some of you have done that, and you know the spiritual blessing that it gives to the one who fasts. And um, so please do not distort when you say, uh, somebody asks you how to fast. If you just say, just fast your Facebook, you are distorting it, please don't do that, okay? It's an abstinence of food to humble ourselves before God. Because a normal thing a heart will do is to be proud. Is to be proud of the little things or the big things. 
That's why every now and then we bring ourselves low in prayer and fasting definitely helps in that. Focusing our attention on God himself rather than on our basic need to eat. It is rejecting the pleasures of the world and part of it is simply your favorite food. There is a partial fast that Daniel did. He said they, he did not partake in any meat, but he did partake in vegetables, they say. So you can do a partial fast. It means uh, a smaller portion, but please don't make it cake or ice cream because you are still pleasuring yourself in that aspect. So when we say fasting, it is a humbling of the self. It is a rejection of what we often pleasure ourselves with, even though it is not necessarily sin, if it is pleasure, and we focus ourselves on the Lord, the hunger we feel, we channel that hunger to the soul, a hunger for God, a hunger for his word, and that's when we become spiritually recharged. And in in this year, um, well, January is our anniversary month, it will be our 18th year praise be to god and um uh we usually celebrate it in the last sunday of january we stopped doing the foodie part last year or two years ago but before we used to gather in in a big place to eat uh, but we chose rather that we would be having more seminars instead so we will have uh, the seminar starting Next Sunday, for those who are interested, it is a six to seven week course entitled Proclaim. This is how the, the Proclaim is about how do we as individuals, not as preachers, but as individual, as believers, proclaim the gospel to those around us. And we use the word proclaim because if you want to be accurate about it, the Bible didn't really say, go and share the gospel to people. It's not like, I'd like to share my food with you or share something to you. Although it's more popular to say I shared the gospel, but the more accurate word in scripture is to proclaim the euangelion. What is euangelion? Euangelion means good news, but it is very specific. It has a very specific usage. It is not like just good news as in somebody gave a birth to a baby and that's good news. That's not what euangelion is. Euangelion in the Greek, good news in English or the gospel in English is really about a messenger riding fast from the battlefield to proclaim to the city that their king won the battle. They will not be slaves to another nation. They will not submit to another nation because their king won the battle. And there was a specific word during those times of war in our in history. So that is euangelion. So we are proclaiming the victory of Christ over sin and eternal death. We are proclaiming. We are not just sharing and hopefully they will accept and we seldom use the word accept because that is not that accurate in terms of proclamation. It is a proclamation that people should repent and believe. So if you are interested, uh, we will just wait, watch our Facebook page. We will put there a link where you can register uh, online or through your phone. And um, we cannot accept everybody, of course, because of city ordinances, but we hope to put it on video.
Um, but yet, for, for many of you, we will encourage to be present so that the non-video dynamics that is engaging uh, myself and other pastors or elders with me can engage us and talk about issues, real issues in our very, very specific context. So I pray that you join and proclaim is also a uh, one of the key seminars of Seoul or School of United Leaders to assist and, and support our organic church planting movement. So glory to God. Let us go to our sermon. The title, Christ Greater Than Aaron. The author explained that Christ is the high priest that passed through the heavens. Therefore, every believer must hold firmly to their confession. Confession. What is a confession? A confession is also a declaration of beliefs and convictions. I believe Jesus Christ is God. I believe Jesus Christ became the Son of God when he took on the form of flesh. He was the Word of God. But when he was born on earth, he was given the title Son of God. They were co-equal with God and the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Trinity. That is my confession. What is the Trinity? There is one God, one in being, three in persons. Now, we find it hard to logically understand this because we are one in being and one in persons. That's you and me. Ed is one, and my body is one. My manifestation is one. But God is one being, one in essence, three in persons and may i just say this he is not like a three in one coffee you cannot use analogies of earth to describe the sovereign god he is different from us he is highly elevated from us to even try to fathom him your mind will fail that is why there's a difference between i believe because i believe because scripture says it, explains it. Christ's greatness does not diminish his sympathy to all who have faith in him. He experienced temptation like us in all points, yet he did not sin. His experience is proof that Christ, what experienced the suffering, the temptation, that Christ can sympathize with us Therefore, we may approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy, grace, and help. And we discussed this in the last sermon before we had a serious break for the wise community uh, found in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. The author also wrote to declare Christ greater than Aaron. God appointed Arian to sacrifice for the sins of the people, including himself, a sinner. God appointed Christ as high priest to become the source of eternal salvation. And there is a difference between the high priest of the Old Testament and Christ as the eternal high priest. Christ offers eternal salvation, while Aaron offered this for the sins of the people every year. Point number one, the earthly high priest. A high priest among men like Aaron offered sacrifices for the people 
and himself because he was a sinner as well. Again, if you studied with us the book of Exodus, you would appreciate more the book of Hebrews. And if you personally have read Leviticus, you would truly appreciate the book of Hebrews. And if you have not, I encourage you to go back so we can have a, a, an appreciation of the context. He identified with the people because Aaron was also a sinner. Now, no high priest chose himself. Only God chooses a high priest. Let's read chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, what we read earlier. Let me just repeat it. Hebrews 5, 1 to 4. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of people in things pertaining to God. Take note. A high priest stands, goes to God on behalf of the people. They come to the Lord saying, Lord, I come on behalf of your people, of my people too. I come to you to offer this sacrifice for them and for myself. That's what the high priest does. In order to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Verse 2 he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is clothed in weakness. Now the high priest knows he's not perfect, yet he's given the responsibility to offer the sacrifice for sins and he doesn't feel qualified. And every servant of God should never ever feel qualified. We only take on serving the Lord in a humble capacity, knowing it's just the grace of God that gives us the knowledge, that gives us the wisdom, that gives us the strength to proclaim. Verse 3, and because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins for himself as well as for the people and verse 4, and no one takes the honor for himself, but receives it when he is called by God, just as Aaron also was. Nobody in Israel can say, I volunteer to be the high priest. I want to be the high priest. Choose me, choose me. There's a system and way that they would know God's will and who the high priest is and who would succeed the next, the previous high priest. Now, Aaron's role as high priest, Aaron was the first high priest, by the way, brother of Moses. Aaron's role as high priest was of prime importance in the ceremonial law of Israel. The high priest went to God on behalf of the people in, to offer sacrifices for their sin. The blood of the sacrifice fell on the mercy seat. If you remember the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, it's the high priest, not just any other priest. It's the high priest who sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. And we know many, it, was been, it has been used. It is a type, an analogy of the Christ. So the New Testament writers mentioned the blood of Christ that cleanses us. And uh, they were referring, alluding to a sacrificial system in the Old Testament where the high priest would sprinkle on the mercy seat so that God's judgment would be held back. And it's his mercy that they seek. Since the high priest in the Old Testament was also a sinner, he could identify with the people's sins. Thus, he could also deal gently with them. Now, Christ was perfect, no sin, but he identified with us because he, with no sin, became sin. 
He received the wrath of God on the cross. He received the justice of God on the cross so that those whom he has chosen, those who believe, if you believe one sign is repentance, another sign is sanctification, which means you obey. He became sin. And because he became sin, he can deal mercifully, mercifully with us. And praise be to God. Although Christ was perfect, he understood what it meant to be tempted, how hard it was to be tempted. Yet he did not sin because if he sinned, he would not be the worthy sacrifice. Only the guiltless, only the innocent lamb in the Old Testament who had nothing to do with your sin can take your place, can be sacrificed for you. Now Christ was sacrificed for us. Now that's the earthly high priest in, in, in relation to Christ as the eternal high priest. But let's focus on Christ this time. God designated Christ to be the high priest. This is point number two. Although Christ was God's son, he was obedient through the sufferings. As a high priest, he prayed with loud crying and tears to the one who could save him. And one of the roles of a high priest is to intercede. I come to God on behalf of the people, but also on behalf of myself, because Aaron was also a sinner. So Christ, having no sin, became sin, prayed with loud crying and tears. Some say this could be the part in Gethsemane where he prayed intensely while the disciples slept. Let's read verses 5 to 8. So too Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but it was he who said to him, meaning he was appointed, you are my son, today I have fathered you. Just as he also says in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We'll discuss that in, the, in a while. Verse 7, in the days of his humanity, he offered up both prayers and pleas with loud crying and tears to the one who could save him from death. And sometimes in prayer and fasting, we should just lock the room and just pour our hearts out to the Lord if, you, we, if we are often used to just formal praying, which is with others and in, in, a, in a program or a, a worship service, that is fine when we pray together. However, when you are alone, only before God himself, pour out your heart. Pour out. There, that's the place you pour out your emotion, your mind. That's the place you can be intense. For here, Christ was intense in his prayer with God. And he was heard because of his devout behavior. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Now, the author is saying, the author of Hebrews, that Christ is greater than Judaism. Yes, and Christ is better than Aaron. God chose Aaron to be the first high priest in Israel, but Christ is a high priest forever. You say, okay, Aaron was the first high priest, sure. Great man. But Christ 
was forever, eternally a high priest. And the author is trying to explain this to those who are listening to him. He is eternal, yet he identifies with our sufferings. He prayed intensely to the Father, and he grew in obedience until death. Now, um, the author mentioned that Christ learned obedience. Please take note that it does not mean that Christ was disobedient and then he learned to be obedient. That's not what the text is saying. Otherwise, he would contradict himself. What he is saying was Christ grew in obedience, just like some of our children growing in obedience. There are many aspects in their lives. They have not been disobedient before, but then you give, you tell them a command, always do this. And they've never heard it before, but once they heard it, they would become obedient. They would learn obedience. Another perspective of this was this, the best time to really learn uh, something is when it's so difficult to learn it. When it is so difficult to love others in the name of Christ, you just hate somebody. That is the best time to learn obedience. The time you feel like disobeying your parents, but you know it's for your own good, that their command is to protect you. That is the moment you truly prove your obedience when it is so difficult to obey. Remember that Christ even prayed, if you can let this pass, but not my will be done, but yours. If you can just let this pass, but not my will be done, but yours. So brothers and sisters, when we submit to the Lord in repentance and faith, if we truly are believers, we follow Christ with all our hearts and we give no excuses. If we sin, we confess, we repent, we get up and move on. We learn, we grow, but we never make excuses. No, we just admit. Don't obey when it's just easy. Know the word and the time when your obedience is so challenged. That is the time that you truly learn to be obedient. It does mean that he experienced obedience in the suffering. I hope we experience obedience in our suffering. In the same way for us, the real challenge of obedience is when we have to suffer for it. Will we obey even if we have to suffer? Because Christ obeyed even though he had to suffer the justice of God on our behalf. Some of you have been lied to, saying somebody said that Christianity is easy and everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right for your soul. Will you be tested 100%? 100%. The author expressed that Christ is divine, yet he experienced our humanity. 
positionally, he is the eternal high priest. Yet to identify with us, he saw the horror of eternal death. Although death could not hold him forever. Why? He had no sin. That's why he resurrected. But for three days, somebody argued with me. Oh, is it really three days? Friday, Saturday, Sunday? If you add up the numbers, it, it's, not, uh, it's not 72 hours. I said, no, no, no. How, how they count a day is Friday is one day, Saturday is second day, and Sunday is the third day. Just much like how hospitals charge us, right? You come in late, that's the first day, okay? They don't count the number of hours. You, you check in, you, you got a bed there, that's the first day. They start billing you. He rose again on the third day because he had no sin. Yet for three days, he experienced death for us to pay for our sins. But take note, this is not a universal salvation of mankind. It is for those who repent and believe. And how would you know? Well, the Father will draw you to Christ. Or this means nothing to you. And what would you do? Humble yourself before the Lord. He learned to pray intensely to the one able to save him. God heard him with his loud crying and tears. Third point, Christ, the source of salvation. Christ completed his task. Thus he became the source of salvation for all who obey him. God appointed Christ as the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was before Aaron and even before Levi. You know, Levi is a son of Jacob and the ancestor of Aaron. Let's read verses 9 and 10. And having been perfected, he became the source, the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him being designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. I had a, an acquaintance in high school. His name was Melchizedek. It's such a rare name to name your son Melchizedek. You must know the scriptures. Well, it's easy for us because his nickname was Melchi easy to pronounce, but when I looked at his legal name, you are Melchizedek. <laughs> wow. Now, let's point out that there is no other source of salvation. Only Christ is the source of salvation. Aaron cannot offer salvation. Salvation from what? For our soul, the soul. Judaism could not offer salvation. The fulfillment of both the law and the prophets is Christ himself. He said it. Christ said that. He is the source of salvation to all who obey him. In the context of the author, this obedience 
is with faith as a foundation. And we will discuss this in Hebrews 11. Again, it's still within the context that it is founded. This obedience, this obedience is founded in faith. What does it mean that Christ was designated according to the order of Melchizedek? You see, Melchizedek existed before Judaism. If you remember the time when Abraham saved his nephew Lot, remember that from the four kings of the east, there was a war and Sodom and the kings of the valley lost to the kings of the east. And Abraham with his trained soldiers ran after them, defeated the enemy. And then on his way back, this guy Melchizedek met him. And he's known to be the priest of the Most High God, the priest of Salem. Many believe that would become Jerusalem. But the priest of Salem, and he had no beginning and he had no ending. The Bible is saying, the author of Hebrews saying, Christ is not according to the order of Aaron. He's not under Aaron. He's way before that, in the time of Abraham, in the time of faith. Because Abraham was before the law. Remember, he was justified with his faith. With his belief in God's promise. Melchizedek existed before Judaism. And Abraham, this great man Abraham, great in the sight of Israel. But not only Israel, even other nations see Abraham as great. Abraham gave a tenth of his ownership, a tenth of his wealth to this guy named Melchizedek, one-tenth. And they had a meal. Levi was probably not born yet this time. Oh, of course, there was no Isaac yet, and no Jacob yet, and no Levi. Now, some would consider Melchizedek as a type of Christ. Forgive me for sharing to you a theological term, a type, T-Y-P-E, a type, a typology. A type in the Bible is a Bible, it's a Bible analogy of Christ in the Old Testament. When we say the lamb to be sacrificed by the priest is a type of Christ. The high priest is a type of Christ. Moses, the prophet, was a type of Christ. So some believe that Melchizedek was a type of Christ, but there are some scholars who believe that Melchizedek was one of the earthly forms of Christ on earth. That Melchizedek was probably Christ himself. Again, these are points of view. Points of view. Where do I lean? I won't tell you yet. Because the point of the author is this. The point of the author, his argument was not Melchizedek was Christ or a type of Christ. But the point of the author, we should never leave the point of the author. The main point of the author, why he said that, is that Christ's priesthood is more excellent than Aaron. He's with Melchizedek, not Aaron. Please, they are not equals. That's the only point of the author at that specific text. Let's bring it home, how we apply this, 
highly theological discussion about Christ. One is appreciate the value of the high priest. Let us appreciate the value of the high priest in the Old Testament. God chose a priest or a high priest to sacrifice for the sins of the people and including the priest's own sins. Now, Christ gave the ultimate sacrifice for our sins himself, yet he had no sin. The Israelites needed a high priest. They had Aaron and his descendants, the descendants of Aaron. We also need a high priest, but praise God, we have Christ, the eternal high priest. So no need to turn Jewish, my friends. You can look to Christ in faith in Christ, the eternal high priest. Number two, one is appreciate, just appreciate, understand it. Two is exalt Christ, for he is, he is higher than any religious icon in history and in the future and on earth. God designated Christ as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, a high priest during the time of Abraham. Abraham was the man of faith. Aaron represents the law. We can say that Christ represents faith. Let us have faith in Christ. Christ is more significant than Aaron and greater, and Christ is greater than any religious personality. Christ is eternal. Think of any religious figure right now in history. Name one, and I will, I will declare, proclaim that Christ is greater. Therefore, let us not make a grave mistake of exalting any other person. Any other person, even if those are found in the Bible, not Moses, not Aaron, not Peter, Paul, or Mary. Let us not exalt them. Let these godly people inspire us. But we should honor Christ above all. Now, I get these statements of those who heard my sermon online, and some of my sermon was really strong against idolatry. And I heard this justification before, we do not worship the saints, especially Mary, but we honor her. Oh, fantastic, I also honor her. But your action seems to betray you. Why? You invest more time honoring her and praying to her than Christ. Then your very actions betray you. Oh, Christ would admit, where did the scriptures say that? For God is a jealous God. And he shares his glory with no one. How should we honor Christ? We should point people to Christ himself, not to humans. We emphasize his suffering, death, and resurrection. And moreover, we proclaim that all should repent and believe. And three, third application, believe and proclaim Christ as the only source of salvation. Christ, the only source. Christ is the source of salvation to those who obey him. Therefore, we must obey him. However, this obedience must be coming from faith. What is faith? Faith. 
It is a conviction, conviction without doubt. You believe and you do not doubt. You're willing to die for a conviction. I believe this and I'm willing to die for this. The conviction that his word is true. That his word is true. That the teachings of the apostles are true and they are compiled in the Bible. It is a conviction without a single doubt that Christ is the only source of salvation because of his obedience to suffer and die as a sacrifice for our sins. It is a firm belief that can never be shaken within me. That is faith. Faith is a conviction that he rose again from the dead. It is a conviction that he is sovereign over all. He is king of kings, lord of lords. He is sovereign. And we submit because I believe and I believe he is sovereign. Therefore, the action that is based on my faith is I submit to his sovereignty. I submit to his kingship. I submit to his lordship and I submit to his word. Faith leads to submission to the word of God. If you say you have faith and you don't submit to the word of God, you are a liar. And there is no truth in you. You make a mockery of the word. You believe, you truly have faith, you submit to the authority of scripture. He is king, he is Lord, and he is my sovereign above all. We are to submit to earthly authorities like the government, our bosses, our parents. And we should, as long as they do not command us to sin. Yet above all, above all, we submit to Christ alone. No one else. Like should to share to you another poem I wrote inspired by the text, Christ the only source. Aaron, Israel's high priest, in earthly status not the least, yet compared to Christ much decreased. Christ is the eternal high priest. Thus we worship Christ forever. We dare not exalt another. Salvation has only one source, faith in Christ. That's the only course. We proclaim with full conviction the reason for his affliction. Christ came to save those who are lost. Our sin brought him death on the cross. Christ defeated death for our sake. Today he calls our souls awake. Therefore come to the only source. Come to Christ. That's the only course. It is all right. Let us pray. There is none greater than you, Lord. There is none.
with full conviction, we believe. With full conviction, we follow. With full conviction, we obey. And we are willing to die for this belief. That Christ came, suffered, died for our sins, and rose again, defeating death and sin. That the only source of eternal life is Christ alone. That through faith in Him that results in our obedience, there is no other way. Ah, remove half-heartedness from our hearts, Lord. Oh, remove it from our hearts. For holy you gave yourself to us, we pray. Holy, our whole lives, mind, emotion, words, and action, we submit to you. For you gave up all on the cross. We surrender all for your glory. Teach us to walk in faith. Faith in you, not in ourselves, but in you. Not exalting what we think, not exalting our emotions above your word, but learning obedience when it is hard to obey. Teach us to obey. For we believe. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for dying for us. For you were on the cross. When you were on the cross, you were saving us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Lord. Our hearts are broken with the thought of the Son of God dying for us. Our hearts break, knowing what you've done, knowing we do not deserve it, knowing we do not deserve salvation, yet you came anyway. So we pray in our lives and whatever remain, remains in our lives, the remaining years of our lives, may we spend it, invest it only in glorifying Christ. Thank you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, 
Amen. God bless you.